is here. So this is Susan. These are just some people. Don't worry. <laughs> if, I, if no one shows up, I just hire some people to come here. You know, they get a they get a free meal and stuff. But she's she's in the uh, she's in recovery, so I'll just I'll base it from there. Yeah, because she's never been here before. Yeah, I'll present it in that way. Yeah, because it, it's. Everyone can follow it, man. Just everyone is recovering from something. Yeah. And she heard me do a talk down at a recovery meeting in wherever that was, San Mateo. So. I used to live up in Marin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the whole the whole thing in recovery, truly, if you really want it, is the correct diagnosis. Yeah. And so the correct diagnosis, in my humble opinion, is that there is the root of the problem, which they present in the book. Is as being obsessive, obsession with self or excessive concern with who you think you are. Yeah. And that's its activity, but I don't believe that's the case. Yeah. And remember, those people only had four years when they put the book out. You know, there's people who have come after who's been sober a lot longer. Yeah. So, what I found, and it wasn't, I didn't find it by understanding it, I understood it and then I could see it. Yeah. Something downloaded where I understood it, and then when I read it, I under, I could I saw the understanding in it. Yeah, I hadn't seen the understanding by reading it, but something happened in my head, and then I understood it, and then I was just waiting to have to find ways that it was said, and it was like aha, aha, aha. Yeah, I found it in the big book. I found it in a couple other books where before I would read those same statements, I had an understanding of it. But I didn't understand it to this point, to this level, let's say. And I, the level I mean isn't high or low, it means basically more relief. It, it, it became the basis for a lot more relief than the understanding I had before. So, alright. And it was simply, it was crystallized in this one sentence. Because I used to lead a workshop for 16 years, 19 years in recovery on the fourth step every Monday night in San Francisco, as long as I was in the country. And I used to go around to different countries and do fourth-step workshops. Yeah. Uh, all right. And so I had read this chapter, How It Works, many, many times. But now, something illuminated the lines, and I, got a lot, I mined a lot more information from them than I ever had before. This just blows your mind. Yeah? Because the mind just shifts, and then everything shifts. And if you follow that logic back, then everything's from mind. Yeah? <laughs> Literally. If mind shifts and everything shifts, then everything is from mind. <laughs> so, so what happened was, there's this one statement that really got me. And every time I saw the word self, which for me means the feeling, the feeling, a sense, yeah? of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, like your and for that, for that to be even mildly entertained, there's got to be the identification as the body, right? The body gives you the sense of being singular, independent, right? And long-lasting, like you were born and you're going to pass away. So you're not infinite in this view, but you're long-lasting, yeah? And then the mind has a brain, and the brain develops its mental processes, and then maybe it comes up with an idea of being a soul that's not going to die when the body dies. But if the soul is going to be sort of framed as the body, you know, Paul. As Paul the body is actually a soul that's going to jettison at the last minute. And then Paul will be Paul somewhere else 
unbodied. Yeah, that's not that's not the view I see. The sense of Paul, the sound of Paul, the feeling of Paul is like a voice box, which is connected to the body. When the body's battery dies, the voice box goes out. There's no Paul chirping away, un- unaffiliated with the body. It's, it's a product of the body. Yeah, the brain is part of the body. <laughs> yeah. All right, so when I would see this word self, which they mentioned quite a lot, I saw, I saw it as a foreign installment. It was really cool. And then I saw its activity as a parasitical activity. Yeah. It just saw it. It's just it's clear as day. I've been under it for so long in my life, but I never saw it clearly as when I was really re- tu- truly relieved from it. When I was truly relieved from it, I could really see it clearly. All right, so this statement is a very important statement to me. And it says, all right, being convinced, and what's happening is he's just presented this whole idea that the root of the problem is this obsession with self, and if it's going to kill you if you don't get any help for it, and you're not, and it's not going to be human help. You've got to access something other than that. They call it a spiritual help, whatever, spiritual solution, just aspects of mind, yeah? So basically you're screwed. And if you really admit that you're screwed, that's the unscrewing. It's like a weird logic to the head, but it's what works. So, all right. So here it goes. It says, being convinced, which means to believe with certainty. Page 64, if you want to check it out. Right before you launch into the inventory. On the other page is the little inventory thing. So it says, being convinced that self manifested in various ways. So manifested means it appears, yeah? Everything here is a manifestation. In other words, in a sense, from some views of uh, metaphysics and spirituality, this is a dream. This is a dream-like event. So everything that appears in a dream is a manifestation in one's own mind. You're not in Nevada, you're in your bed, in the bed seemingly, and the mind is dreaming and it's all encased here. Let's say this is like the awake dream. Yeah? And what has what's different in this one, it has duration, which gives it a sense of longevity, and it seems realer than the ones here, yeah, in the head at night. Okay? Alright, so being convinced that self manifested or appeared in various ways. So it appears as you, it appears as someone who's a loser, it appears as someone who's been done wrong, it appears tons of ways, yeah? But in all those ways, its basic premise is to defeat what we are, yeah? And it says it, all right, be, being convinced, man, get, you really believe with certainty that self is manifested in all these ways is what has defeated us, yeah? So obviously there's a distinction. How can we be a self as us? See, it says it very... It, it put, there's like two sides of the field. Self's on one side, us is on the other side. And here's the game that it plays and defeats us in, yeah, in manifestation. So, so here you go. It would be really nice if that was as clear as it's described in that sentence. Being convinced that self manifests in various ways and what has defeated us, if we could really get the self in us, that's the freedom from it. Yeah? Because I think how it defeats us is the identification as it. We forget what we are and we take ourselves to be what we're not. And in this position, then selfing can really uh, defeat us. Yeah? Because no matter, even if it's a great seeming life, we've forgotten our own nature. So in a sense, it's, in t- it's, it's uh, 
essence is a defeat in a way, you could say, because you've lost the sense of what you are for this acquired taste of what you're not. Right? All right, so being convinced that self manifests in various ways is what has defeated us, we will look at its selves, yeah? common manifestations. Pretty nice statement. And then he springs into the next paragraph in the book, and it says resentment. So resentment, let's follow it. Resentment is a manifestation of self. It's not a manifestation of us. It's a manifestation of self. Yeah? And if you saw it that way, there would be a more, the possibility of being freed from resentments would be much more likely than not. Yeah? When you're identified as it, then the resentment is your resentment. And your resentment has a whole other agenda the mind is using it with it, the mental process, yeah? It's got to, in other words, it burrows in deeper in a sense. It sort of takes on almost like a barnacle effect. But the barnacle, if you watch barnacles, they have to have a surface to grab onto, yeah? And if you don't like all the barnacles, then check out the rock they're holding onto. If you're not that rock, then the barnacles won't have the effect they're having. But as soon as you play the role of a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, the barnacles have something to attach to. Yes. And now you're trying to fucking pry them off, and they're like rock-solidly dug in, but the, the strength of the glue isn't on the barnacle side, it's on your side. <laughs> you're, you're so sure you're the rock, you're the perfect home for a barnacle. You know what I mean? That's the dilemma. And very few people see that trick of mind. They keep finding better ways or more extreme ways to pull the barnacles off, but they're apt to have new ones grow on or morph into new ones very quickly because it's a very, very beneficial environment for the barnacles. Yeah? So, all right. So, resentment is, an, in this logic, it's an expression of self or a manifestation of self in one's life. Then they go to the next thing to look at, which is fear. Well, the same thing. Fear is one of the common manifestations of what? Self in one's life. Not your fear. The your, the feeling that it's yours, is the act of being identified as self. The feeling that it's yours is the act of being identified as self. That, to me, is the root of the problem. It's not an event that happened. It's a possibility of happening right now. Yeah? Either you're either you're identified as the self or you're not, in a sense. Yeah? And then there's some degrees where there'll be a, a remnant identification, which is fine because it navigates here, or an extreme identification, which is not too good. Yeah? And the point is, is in a way, the relief from the self is based on the pulling away from that identification as the one who has the feelings, has the thoughts, has the resentments, has the fears, yeah? A fear after it's been had is a much different beast than when before it's had. The having of it produces an, uh, an effect on the fear that is incredible. Yeah. It gives it like ten times more gluing ability <laughs> because it's yours now. And you've actually have you've you've had quite a lot. You've got a damn big collection of them. And what happens is those collections are there and then things remind you of those and so you re fear. Yeah. Just like you resent, which means to re feel something. Something 
something happened, and then the mental process interpreted, that interpretation is waiting to have an influence. Yeah? And every time there's the identification as the one who has the resentment, what happens is those past resentments, or the story of those, now have an effect or influence. They inject, they, in, they inject into the one event that's going on now. It reminds you of something else. Yeah? And if something else isn't happening, what the fuck is the solution to it? <laughs> Let's say you're in a house, everything's fine, but you have a memory of the last house you were in and it was burning down. Yeah? <laughs> if you throw water on the house now, you're going to have mold shortly thereafter, because it's not on fire. But, you know what I mean? If the house was on fire, the water would be appropriate. But there is, the house isn't on fire. It's just reminding you of a, a house you once were in that was on fire, or you thought it was, and therefore, let's throw a lot of solutions on it. And what happens is, the water, which is seen from the weird point of view, is, as a solution, is the problem. Yeah? People don't see that, oh, Let's say they're really overly aware of what they believe people are thinking of them. So, someone says something to them, and maybe there's 10% of truth in it, and they used to jack it up to 90%, yeah? And now something's happened, and now it's down to 50%. But all the while, there's a huge obsession with the self that was at 90 and 50 and 10. You see? So while you're, while you're in, the, in the commerce or the market of solutions, the problem is thriving based on the reference. Yeah? Everything is so quickly referenced to what you're not, it immediately tattoos everything else you need. Yeah? And now you're trying to wash off that tattoo, but you're the tattooist. <laughs> you're just going to do another one on something else. Yeah? This is the sort of the dilemma, in a way. So if this is clear, hey, that these are expressions of self when you, when you casually say at a meeting or with someone else, oh, I'm, I'm trying to deal with my fears, maybe bring yourself up and entertain. They're not my fears. Yeah? They're fear. Yeah? As soon as they become my fears, that's a whole other ballgame. Yeah? A fear as it... See, first of all, they're not even fear, because fear is a valid emotion based on a certain situation. If something's threatening you, adrenaline releases, and there's that emotion that's evoked or called fear. But most of us are producing tons of mental anxiety. We are. And the mental anxiety, its effects are happening now, but then yet it's never about now, because right now there's no fucking threat in this room. The threat of you maybe being, being entertained, but I think that's passing quickly. There's no basic threat. Yeah? So the, re, the response would be, hey, chill out. If I don't like the guy, hey, it's a nice church. I'll go inside and look. But a lot of people come in, and they're contracted as hell because they're not responding to what's happening. They're reacting to what's not happening. And the reaction is never in what's not happening. It happens now. Yeah? So the contraction, a concern about yesterday, let's say you have a concern about yesterday. Yeah? It's not your concern, it's just a concern. You know how fast that's going to that's gonna dim down? As fast as yesterday dims down. Yeah? But now, there's yesterday, and it's my concern, 
I'm going to carry that over and not even, I'm not even going to leave it in yesterday. I'm going to use this moment to project it into a future tomorrow. <laughs> yeah? So this, this one bit of concern, which was probably appropriate at the time, now has become, has been, has been like elongated into time and now you're concerned about tomorrow, the next day, the next day. When the concern, if it would have been left where it was, it would have diminished. But instead it's claimed as yours, and now you breathe life into it, and your life is death, basically, and it's in time. So now we're so, we can't even, we, we're calling mental anxieties fear, and we're trying to find a solution, but the only solution to the effects of what's not happening is it's not happening. That's the clearest way to be free from it, is realize it's not freaking going on. <laughs> I mean, what, if you apply anything else, it's, it's giving it way too much credit. Well, it could happen. Oh, that's a, it's, that door has been opened an inch, so selfie's going to barrel through with that. It could possibly occur. So any little grain of somewhat relevant uh, relevance and we'll just plant the whole crop there and grow and grow and grow. No, it's not happening. There you are. There's the solution. Now what happens? Find out. Yeah. You'll be weaned off of reacting to not what's to what's not going on and you'll start responding to what's going on. And now, all, all, all your incredible ideas of what the problem was, you'll find out what the problem was by its dismissal. You'll be dismissed out of the problem, and in, from the solution, you'll know the problem. Yeah? But we're trying to know a solution from the problem. Yeah? This, the problem is what needs to be known, not a solution to it. Find out the, if the problem, if it's an imaginary problem, that's the solution. Yeah? If it's imaginary, that's the solution to it. So don't freaking, oh, I've got so many solutions, that's a big problem. Yeah? Just see if the problem is actually true. If it isn't true, when the first thing that goes is the need for a solution, that's the solution. That's what works. If you acquire a solution, and you have it long enough, and it's your solution, it turns into the problem anyway, doesn't it? <laughs> I sat all those years for the solution. Now I have bad knees, and I've got, you know, fucking hemorrhoids in my butt. It seems to produce a lot of problems by pursuing the solution. <laughs> what? It's true. But look at the problem. Is it so? Then show me. Touch it, taste it, hear it, feel it, see it. No. Conjure it up, old oh great musician. Bring next Wednesday here and, and stuff it into tonight. And all then bring last Saturday and stuff it in here too. Let's see how many days we can get into this day. Yeah. Do you see it? Do you feel it? Do you taste it? You, you, a feeling may be provoked by memory, but you're not feeling it. Like you said with that card, you're feeling the memory of it. 
Yeah. After that, once the memory is taking the place of the event, you're in mental land. <laughs> There's no reality to that. It's just, it's just totally, it's just whatever it wants to use it for that day. It could, it could pretend great things or your most dire consequences. The same memory. Yeah. It's all used to further something. So this isn't about gaining interest. It's, it's the losing interest. Yeah. You lose interest in the self, like it says it's one of the effects of the steps in recovery, is you'll lose interest in yourself in the self and gain interest in the, in your, in the others. Yeah. That's sort of what happens. But you want to have a radical shift, is you lose interest in the self, and then you'll see, not only will you gain interest in others, you'll gain a lot of interest. And you'll see how it's spent. And I bet you how it's spent will... will be much more enriching in your day than how it was spent before. And so that instead of being enslaved, where let's say you find something you really look forward to happens, and only about 5% of you can show up, because the 95% are beholden to yesterday and tomorrow. Yeah. You think you can call all that back anytime you want? You're enslaved. What's keeping you up at two in the morning when you can't sleep? Not two in the morning. <laughs> Probably three o'clock in that afternoon. <laughs> you thought someone said something to you and you thought they, it must have meant that they didn't. And then you realize that about one thirty in the morning, ha ha! They hate me or whatever, some great realization. And then you plan your, how you're going to kill them the next day at the office. And nothing, the person even think of you one second of the day. They were up their own ass itself all day. <laughs> Man, get a taste for it. Find out what it's like not to be enslaved. Yeah. There's no better tomorrow. What what better tomorrow that can there be of today? None. Yeah. Oh, I'm just going to withhold myself until that special someone shows up, or that when I go on my vacation, or when I go to the retreats. I lived on this property in Australia, pretty big property, very rich guy, and he had a spiritual bent to him. And so we had all these different houses on it, and we, my girlfriend and I lived in one of the houses. And every day he'd ride around in this like, sort of like a golf cart, telling everyone at 5.30 it was meditation hour. There would be a big bell, and he'd be in his little meditation room. And he didn't want to have any noise. So from 5, by 4.45 to about 5.20, he'd be driving around chastising us, don't make any noise. So he was totally unpeaceful with the hopes that he'd have peace if everyone would shut up at 5.30. But at 4.45, 40.46, there was no peace to be had. Yeah? I mean, there was none. But he had this expectation he was going to have peace. Yeah. So it was worth it was worth the unpeaceful moment to get it just right so he can really have it the way he wanted it. But you, if you don't have it then, you're not going to have it then. If you don't have it now, it ain't going to happen then. Because when you get there, yeah, it will be here again. Yeah. No matter what, how many mythical bears you have, 
that if I could just get all my birds in a row, whatever, ducks in a row, then I would get there. And I, when I got there, it would be so great, especially much greater than here. But you don't realize any place you arrive at is here. <laughs> and then they'll bring out another mythical bear to tote. And all the while, you're walking with this false hope ahead, giving up everything you were hoping that future moment would bring. Giving it up right now. It's just like in America now. People are buying their own surveillance uh, things. They buy these phones, they spend $300, and they're tracking devices. The government and all these corporations, they've been driving themselves crazy. How can we get the information from these fucking people? Now, everyone on Facebook, they're just gladly giving all their information up, and their information of their friends up. Yeah? And we buy the stuff. We actually buy our own tracking devices. <laughs> Isn't that insane? I just think it's unbelievable. Or, you know, they take a 20, they take a dollar t-shirt, they put a surf, surf company on, and people walk around, and they're advertisements for that company. And they may never have even surfed. Quicksilver, Billabong, 30 bucks for like a dollar sweat t-shirt. But, and they're just, oh, they're proud, they're like neon signs. And yet you're supplying the energy to keep the sign on. The company just, it's, it's unbelievable to me. <laughs> this is about putting the freaking foot down. Look at the only place that is still unadulterated, that someone hasn't claimed and privatized and owned yet. Your experience. Go to see. See from where does all the hearing arise. See what's, what's behind everything I've ever seen. Follow it. Sound is a very good way to use. Use sound. Take sound, and like in this room, you hear something, yeah? Like a vibratory thing. It's not, you, you say it's in your head, but that's just, that's just the language referencing. It's, there's no head. You're not behind your cheekbone and stop there, you know? It's not like a, a sausage that I've been pushed into, you know, like a spirit inside a sausage, you know? This is the sausage, this is the meat bag, and then there's something really alive and pristine in it, you know, squiggling around. You know? No, no, no. So, sound, take it back, take it back. All right, hearing, hearing, hearing. Hear this sound, hear, hear. Hear the nose, breathe the breathing. Hear the heart, yeah? Hear muscles twitching. Hear this vibra vibration. Every other sound seems to be after this vibrational sound. And this vibrational sound doesn't seem to be caused. It's on all the time. Yet, what's behind that? What's behind that sound? What's hearing that sound? There, that isn't a sound. What hears a sound can't be a sound. Yeah? What's seen can't be seen. What's feeling can't be felt. That's why all the feeling occurs. It comes from what, what is feeling, but it cannot be felt. It's coming from what is seen, but it cannot be seen. So there's a point where all the story of you stops, and yet there's something bright and aware there. Yeah? All the story, every sound, I'm the hearer, I'm the hearer, I'm the hearer, I'm the hearer, I'm the hearer. There's a point where there's no way I'm the hearer of that. Yeah? And yet there's still hearing. Yeah? 
The mental process, the selfie, does a little like a gypsy dance move, yeah? It happens after the event of living, let's say conscious contact, but it implies that it was before the conscious contact. So it, it implies that it's the seer. Yeah? It doesn't, it's not saying it's, it's the seeing, because that would be closer to the truth. It's claiming to be the seer, an objectified seeing, the seer. And so that's the story. Yet, you're being heard. The sounds of what you call you, the body, is being heard. Yeah? And then you believe you're hearing that? The voice that says it's you is being heard. And the voice that says it's you is being heard. And the voice that says it's you is still being heard. Yeah? There's a point where you end, and yet what you are continues. Wouldn't you like to know that? Well, if you do, the beautiful news is you can't. And that's the beautiful news. That's putting down the ball. You can't freaking know it. You can't objectify what you are. Yeah? <laughs> that's the beauty of it. You can't get your you know, little dirty fingers on it. You can't claim it. I remember I had this guru when I was young, and then I had a bad event, or whatever, a good event. I got run over by a car twice one night. Ended up in the hospital. And in the hospital, I went into hallucinatory states quite a lot. Maybe it was the drugs they had me on, who knows. But my mind was tripping, big time. And it would go into realms, and I, could, I had certain qualities. I could fly, I could fly through people. And what I did is I flew back to this, I flew to a big event he was leading in Florida. And I flipped the people in the room around because I was flying around the circumference of the room and I started flying through people. Everyone was getting upset. But I landed on the dive where he was and I looked at him and like telepathic, I was saying, what's the fucking truth? You know? And he looked at me with this little wry smile and he says, you're too complicated to get it. And the sadness of that fact swept over me like thousands and thousands and thousands of years of sorrow. It was unbelievable. I realized all the way I seemingly am built can't embrace that. All my gauges can't pick it up. All my barometers can't infer it. I can't embrace it. I can't grab it. I can't hold it. Yeah? In other words, there's a total, total irrelevance to my reference point. My reference point is why I'm not noticing it, why I'm not luxuriating in it, in a sense. And it was so true, it just destroyed me in that freaking thing. One of the most deepest experiences I ever had, and it wasn't in this seeming world. But it came out of it, and I, that, that was such a beautiful answer, because I finally came to know it down the road. That the way we're built, the what you're taking yourself to be, can never, ever, ever get it. It's always going to make it something. Always. Yeah? <coughs> and the referencing is so fast, it's, it's always going to have its gun out before you pull yours. That's the news. That's the good news. Yeah? So you stop looking, you stop looking, you stop looking, and you'll start seeing. You'll see from it instead of looking for it. Yeah? It'll dawn on you, just by recognizing what you're not, what you are will start taking precedence in this experience. Yeah? You'll be weaned off of the values put in time. Just weaned off it. 
with no thought or effort on your part, you'll just freaking realize how insane it is. Yeah? Without studying a book about the insanity, none of that. It will just dawn on you. And the dawning and dawning and dawning and dawning. And all the things you are struggling with, you realize they're vanquished by no struggle at all. It's just seeing. It's just seeing. The mind itself, right where you seem to be, is, the, is the it. That's the possibility. So I always like to look at what we're not, because you can look at what you're not. You can see how the sense of self is reinforced and, and promoted and assumed and implied. You can see that, yeah, because you're not it. You can see the making of a you. And if you see the making of a you, the A will drop out. You'll see a, the making of a you. It won't become the making and then you, yeah? The making and then the leap into you. There'll be the whole the whole process, which is the making of a you. But you'll see it. Not from the making, uh, yeah, and then you. If you see the making as you, that's self-knowledge. It's going to avail you freaking nothing. Yeah? But if you see the making of a you, that's clear. Yeah? And if you don't buy it, it's an A-U. A-U, A-U, and it comes and goes like every other fucking feeling and thing and mental process, yes? It's insinuation that your long-lasting, independent, separate entity stops holding water. It's insinuation that you're the doer of all your actions stops holding water. The insinuation, the implied, the reference that you're the thinker, the hearer, the feeler, the taster, the toucher, it starts, it just weakens and weakens and weakens, Yeah? And then you're here because you cannot be possibly anywhere else. Now you're not trying to get into the moment that you cannot possibly be out of, and you're not trying to get out of what you cannot possibly be in. You're not trying to get out of self, and you're not trying to get into the moment. Okay? You realize you are in self, and you realize you are the moment. <laughs> There's not one moment that you haven't been in. In this life, not one. I don't care what condition you were in. The only reason there was a moment is because you were there. It works, I'm telling you. To entertain the possibilities. Your mind's constantly entertaining. Throw some new bait in there. It's fucking biting the same old bait and turning into that same historical fish. And you're, you're caught every fucking day. It's boring. <laughs> Specialness, uniqueness. <laughs> so this is not going and looking for the truth. It's looking the other way. Seeing what the hell is looking for the truth. And if it ain't you, that may be the truth of all truths. Yeah? And then you'll be relegated into finding out what it's like to be free instead of thinking you know what it's like to be free. You'll find out what it's like. Yeah? You'll find out a lot about a lot of things, and especially no thing. Yeah. You can feel it in the room now, eh? It's like a pause, like pregnant, a pregnant pause. It's like your little mental egg is ready to crack. And the selfie rushes to paste it and solidify it and put some glue on it and cement it and make it, oh, Easter's on its way. You're a Vietnamese Easter. Whatever like that. Just 
a crack, you know, it gives birth to something else. Unleash the Kraken. <laughs> Unleash the Kraken! Love to find out. <laughs> the treads off that tire, man. <laughs> It'd be a flat if you stopped blowing your fucking air in it. <laughs> Let it flatten out and put on a new one. <laughs> Well, if it had no weight and shouldn't exist, there wouldn't be a resentment. So, if you have a resentment, do what we do in AA, yeah? Take a look at it. It brings you to the exact nature of the wrong, and you'll probably see that it's an expression of a mental process called selfing. And at that moment, if it's being honored as a real thing, you're worshiping at that temple. Your mind is of selfing. It's good to notice. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. What's having the resentment is a memory itself. The sense of self is a memory. And a resentment, like you gave me that card, is to re-feel something. What is that feeling? It's been memorized. It's been, it's been memorialized, made into something. And now it's used to sort of neuter your life because everything that arises just refers to something you believe once arose. Yeah? So you live like the Course in Miracles says, you, you see only the past. And basically that's the case. And if when you're seeing only the past, that's called self-centeredness. It's a form of looking. Yeah? That's what happens. Resentment, resentment, it's not, it's, everything is refelt. Everything is reheard. Everything is rethought. Yeah? This whole place is re. It's a whole, it's a whole, like, vomiting of a memory. Memories are memories of things that never happened. Just vague conceptual ideas stored up there, given the authenticity with, like, this gold guild of time on it. Yeah? Oh, it did once happen. Yeah? And so every, all day, the day now is being referred to a past day. Yeah? And exactly, at this, you think that's only happening to the day? You're being referred to a past you. Yeah. Of course you're going to fucking want to get loaded or do something to feel alive. Because you don't feel alive, do you? Of course not. Yeah. And if the imperative will be to a point where if you don't feel alive long enough, you're apt to do almost anything. Yeah. That's what happens, Yeah. Like it says in recovery, the daily reprieve is contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Well, what would happen to you if you were a spiritual condition? Or if you are a spiritual condition? Don't you see that would be the highest form of maintenance? It wouldn't be a chore at all. It's just the what you are. 
When you're looking at it from a mental or a physical identification, it's a big chore to try to override all the mental currents and the physical limitations, yeah? To entertain that you're all love and all this as a body. It just doesn't jive, you know? But if, just like, you know, Jesus supposed to say, love thy neighbor as thyself, how many, you know, how many people love themselves? <laughs> Not too many. So if I love my neighbor as myself, I'm going to shoot him. <laughs> so I'd love to do that to me, but I'm too afraid to shoot myself, so I'll shoot you. <laughs> but if you, saw yourself, if you saw your neighbor as yourself, yes, if you actually saw it, all there is is love, in a sense. <laughs> Just entertain it. This works. I'll tell you. I've entertained it now for a long, long time. And I was one sick person. <laughs> In recovery and out of recovery. I swear. I mean, I had... Uh, I was living under an avalanche of old concepts, man. I, mean, I tell you, I'll give you this example of how unreal our lives are. When I was 18, I met this guru, an Indian teacher, a spiritual teacher. I grew up a Catholic, so I had no idea about gurus or anything like that. And I met the person, this, this group, and I got involved with them. And suddenly, thousands and thousands of ideas kept downloading into me what they should be like as a guru, what they should be like as followers, what I should be like as a follower, what I should be like as a meditator, when I had never meditated. Yet I had thousands of ideas about meditation, thousands of ideas of how I should be as a devotee. Thousands of, where did they come from? They didn't come from an experience. I didn't have one. They were just latently there in the mental realm. And as soon as I met the topic, as the Paul, the one who had the topic, then all this, what Paul represents is all these old ideas, all these beliefs, all these conceptual shit, all these memories, and they started to find expression in this possibility of this spiritual life. Thousands of freaking ideas that stuck this big, giant, spiritual piece of wood up my ass. (laughs) And it was like, fucking hell. I wanted to kill the Lord of the universe, which didn't make me, I didn't feel so good about myself. You would think, Lord of the universe, yeah, I'm a follower of the Lord of the Universe. I don't like the Lord of the Universe. Why does that make me? Well, my head had a field day, what it made me. Over and over again, to a point where I was really seriously considering, how could I hit him with like a time delay dart in one of his motorcades? So he'd pass away like 60 yards away from me, and I could get, I could finally fucking do what I wanted. Yeah. How did that come about? I had never had an experience of it before, but I had thousands of ideas about it. Never had a relationship before with a little girl. I had thousands of ideas about it when I got into her. Thousands of them. How she should be, how I should be. Where did that come from? It's all this latent mental possibility. And what's the trigger? What's the key? What opens up that fucking closet and all that shit that finds expression is the idea of Paul. The idea of Duncan. Duncan is the password that enters into that fucking realm. As long as soon as it's my relationship, I'll tell you, the difference between going out with a girl and then having it become my girl was like the difference of a little jealousy and stalking charges. As soon as she became my girlfriend, I felt I own her. I should know what she's doing. It's just right for me to know because she's my girlfriend. This is insanity. Where did it come from? Not from my experiences, but from conceptualization. 
millions and millions of old ideas ready to be triggered by your password. Be it Mary, Deb, Zenmar, Duncan, whatever. <laughs> downloads, downloads, downloads. And they seek expression through us. Yeah? But they can't enter but through that password. It's called the act of being identified as a self. People have this noble idea that certain activities are immune to it, like spiritual practices, baloney. As soon as you become a meditator, you don't know what the hell is making up with all the meditation you're doing. <laughs> it could be making up a huge freaking story that you're going to be bound to. <laughs> it has no respect for any freaking thing here. It uses whatever it comes in contact with to further its own aims. Yeah? And its own aims is to make us splash. It's like a parasitical movement. It doesn't have a life. It grabs the one that you, are, you make possible. Yeah. Jacks into your thought system and starts talking as you. And if it's throwing a really crazy idea, it will sound like it's trying to convince you. And you realize, who's in there? Who is it that it's talking to? Yeah, then we have it sometimes your head. When it's going to do something you know isn't the good move to do, it tries to convince you, comes to the front door, the side door, the skylight, the cellar, and, it's talk- and then suddenly it, it gets your assent, you go, oh, yeah, and now it's talking as you. Now you're right at 7-Eleven fucking buying that tall. <laughs> Before you know it, you're struck drunk. What the fuck happened? <laughs> it's so... There's an immunity, man. There's an immunity to the bondage of self. There is. It's available. Not to you, but as you. Yeah. So, that's it. i got to go change my tire. <laughs> 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 got to find